Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 41 of The Home Hour. This is the show where we talk about your home, your family, your kids, your life, food, and everything that goes on inside your four walls. I'm your host, Megan Francis, mom of five, and the creator of The Happiest Home Blog. Glad you're here. So this week's episode is great, like always. I talked to a really cool guest. Her name is Sarah McKenzie, and she runs a podcast called The Read Aloud Revival which I will talk about a little more in a few minutes. But first, I want to talk about what's going on in my home this week. Um, if you've been reading the blog, thehappiesthome.com, you will see that I have launched a deep cleaning challenge earlier this week where I am challenging myself and anyone who wants to join in with me to clean their houses from top to bottom. And my inspiration that I talked about in the post was actually the chapter from Little Town on the Prairie where... Uh, Ma and Pa take Mary off to college and Laura, Carrie, and Grace stay behind and decide to do the fall cleaning all by themselves. And that was always one of my very favorite passages from any book when I was a kid. Um, And it's always kind of stuck with me. And so, I don't know, I sort of use that as my inspiration to do my own fall cleaning, which is definitely needed around here. Like I think I said in previous show, I'm pretty good about keeping up with the day-to-day stuff, but not so good at taking care of the dust and the high up spaces and those kinds of things. So definitely check out The Happiest Home. Um, com from earlier this week should be pretty easy to find that post if you just scroll back a little bit and I will link to it in the show notes as well. Um, also put up a video yesterday talking about my favorite natural and non-toxic cleaning supplies um, and also how to make some of your own from basic common household ingredients like vinegar and baking soda and stuff like that. Um, I love good smelling household cleaners so I talk a little bit about some of my favorite brands and also talk about um, just easy ways to make your own. All right, well, that's it for kind of a peek into what's going on in my house right now. Now I'm going to talk about Sarah McKenzie, uh, today's guest. Sarah has a blog called amongstlovelythings.com, and not too long ago, she did a series of posts on her blog about reading aloud to her kids. And I know that this is something we all know we should do, uh, but it's not always easy. Sometimes by the end of the night, we're a little tired, and, you know, reading Dr. Seuss um, is a little exhausting on the tongue and uh, things like that, and it just... Life gets in the way, and sometimes we don't do it as much as as we want to. So she has dedicated an entire podcast now to reading aloud to your kids in a more intentional way. Um, Not a lot. I mean, if five minutes a day is all you can manage right now, that's fine. But her whole purpose is to inspire parents to make reading aloud uh, a big part of their household culture and their family culture. And um, we had a really great discussion about it, and I know you're going to love it. So I'm just going to go ahead and transition over to the interview with Sarah. Enjoy. Hi, Sarah. So glad to have you on the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Me too. Okay. So as I said in the intro, um, you're not only a blogger with six children, you're homeschooling and you write about that on your blog, but you also have this awesome podcast that is dedicated to the art of reading out loud, which I think is so, it's such a thing that we all want to feel like we (laughs) um, are that parent who does that all the time. And then (laughs) it's very easy to let life get in the way. And even for those of us who love to read, there's something different about the act of reading out loud, I think. So I'd love to hear about where the idea came for your podcast and what the response has been like and and the kinds of guests that you've talked to. Just kind of give us the overview there. Sure. Well, I first... I first heard this talk by Andrew Putua at the Institute for Excellence in Writing. And the talk was called Nurturing Competent Communicators. And in it, he talks about this huge impact that reading aloud has on a child's ability to communicate. And then on just building up, well, I don't think he really talks too much about building up the family culture. Um, maybe that was something that kind of came after when I started doing some more research. But his talk got me super motivated. And his big uh, premise was we need to be reading aloud a ton to our kids, way more than pretty much most of us are. So I got super motivated and started reading aloud like crazy to my kids. And for a while, we read aloud for a lot of, I mean, several hours a day for mm-hmm. a, for a period of time. We don't anymore, but um, for a period of time. And it was really awesome. And I saw all this fruit from that and really felt like we were, you know, forming these really strong relationships and encountering big ideas together. And it was something we all looked forward to. And then that was when my oldest, we just had the oldest three. And then we had three more, one right after the other. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we, um, 
we had a little girl and then 17 months later we had twins and twin identical twin boys. Wow. And so it, yeah, that's been a kind of so a crazy five ride. and six were twins. Yes, five wow. and six yes. are twins, and now they're two and a half and one. And so the read aloud time is probably at an all time, you know, like we're squeezed and mm-hmm. we don't get it very much in. But I have found this, um, like, really, it's pretty amazing that even just a couple of minutes a day makes a really huge impact. And so. I started the Read Aloud Revival actually as a series of blog posts, and that was pretty fun. That was a couple years ago. And then it kind of, I just kind of laid it to rest for a little while. And this year I decided to bring it back as a podcast to see if we could encourage parents to read aloud, even if all you have is five minutes a day. And that's been awesome. And it's been really, really fun. It's kind of, um, I guess it's just become a big heart thing for me. Something I really believe in is that even if you only have five minutes a day to read to your kids, the the benefits are really enormous. So that's why I'm super excited about about reading aloud and even yeah. if it's tiny bits of time. Yeah. You know, I, I love this concept. Well, first of all, as um, I'm sure you have experienced, um, and I know for myself, if I'm finding something to be a challenge, like I'm having a hard time sticking to it, I find that writing about it <laughs> oh, really <yes>. helps. <laughs> you know, it keeps you because if you're writing about something, you have to live it. And it it's like kind of a like a hack, right? <laughs> like a built exactly. way to, to force yourself <laughs> to do something you think is important. So I think I love that. Um I love that that it kind of came through your blog that way and then turned into a podcast. That's awesome. But let's talk about some of the challenges. And especially when you have multiple children of different ages, um, some of whom are toddlers. That was probably for me when I had a toddler in the house, which unfortunately was most of the last, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately was like most of the last 17 years until very recently, um, I've Mm -hmm. had one or another baby or toddler. And what's so tricky then is that you're trying to read to the older kids and give the older kids their due, but you've got this unpredictable little person climbing on you and grabbing the book out of your hands or crying or whatever it is. And I would love to hear what your, your household is so busy. How do you get around? How do you manage that, um, those distractions and all those different age groups? Well, that's definitely my current biggest mm-hmm. uh, struggle with reading aloud is that there, we have so many toddlers. And so it's not even just, can we find a quiet minute when, when the toddler's sleeping? It's like, can we find a quiet minute when all three toddlers are sleeping? Right. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a few strategies I've sort of put in place, although a big piece of it has just been accepting the fact that in this season of life, we're not going to get a whole lot done, but mm. even just a little bit is great. Yeah. And um, so a lot of it has been just accepting that and realizing that that's not really settling. It really is. I think we're going to look back on this time and I'm going to go, you know, it. we did read aloud. Well, one of the things I love to tell my podcast listeners is that if you read aloud five minutes a day and not a minute more. Over the course of a year, you'll have read aloud for 30 hours, which wow. is a lot that of time. Lot. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you could read the whole, you know, Chronicles of Narnia or the entire Mrs. Piggle mm-hmm. <laughs> series. You could read a lot of book, great books in that amount of time. So it's not really settling. It's just sort of a, a, a mind shift and realizing that just something that's, you know, a couple of minutes a day can have a big, big impact. But I have sort of tried to implement some strategies Um of course, we read aloud. We try to read aloud after the babies go to bed and before my big kids go to bed. Now, that's kind of ideal because you know how it is as a yeah. mom at the <laughs> end of the day. It's like you read a few sentences and you start to nod off yourself. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so that's my ideal, but we don't always manage that. Um, I have recently put together a little just like a little plastic tote full of activities that we just pull out during read aloud time. And those are helpful. A couple puzzles and my toddler loves stickers and markers and that kind of thing. So we'll kind of let them or let the, the two-year-old anyway, um, have those activities while we're reading. And that seems to be helpful, especially since it's a box that she only gets right during read aloud time. So it's special. Yeah. 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 And then audiobooks, which I think are the busy mom's hack, totally the busy mom's hack to reading aloud. Um, we have an Audible subscription, but we also use audiobooks from the library. And so um, we could listen to them in the car. Although, again, with toddlers, that's a little tricky. We right. used to be able to do that better. But I can even set the kids up with coloring or um, clay or whatever, drawing, whatever they want to do in another room and let them listen to a book read aloud to them while I'm in a different room, sort of juggling babies and toddlers. And I think that's good, too. Oh, that's really cool. You know, it's funny. I... 
We have an Audible subscription. Um, and we listen to, you know, like there'll be a lot of times when I'm in the kitchen cooking and the kids are kind of coming in and out and we're listening to podcasts or we'll be listening to the radio or whatever. And I could easily put in an audiobook instead. I, I don't know why that doesn't really occur to me <laughs> to do that. I well, think sometimes it feels like a bigger, you know, like a podcast yeah. seems like, well, I only have a little bit, yeah. but really you only have to listen to a little bit of the audiobook right. too, but I get that. That's kind of my mindset too. I usually have to be like, oh, I should turn on an audiobook instead of a podcast. Yeah. Well, and you know, here's another thing too. And I think a lot of parents, I think a lot of moms in particular struggle with this, um, this feeling like if I'm not doing it, it's cheating kind of. And I know that sounds really yes. silly, but no, I know you totally understand what I mean. Like yes. if someone's, if for it to count for my kids to be quote read aloud unquote to, it has to be me, the mom taking time out of my day and sitting down and doing it. And, and what you're really saying is more what it is, is the, the family's shared culture of literature. So, yes. Yes. And I think there is something to, now my kids listen to audiobooks that I'm not around for because like right. I said, if the toddlers are up. So, um, those are a little different. I still think there's immense value there. And mm -hmm. my very first podcast episode was with Andrew Putawa and he, uh, the man I was talking about mm -hmm. earlier. Yes. And he discusses the just amazing benefits to writing and reading and speaking that happen when children are read aloud too. So that those benefits are completely valid, even if you're not in the same room. But I think there is... Um, there is something special about sharing a book together so you can talk about it and kind of encounter yeah. those ideas together. But that doesn't mean you have to be the one to read it. You know, right, if you're, right. if you just put on an audiobook while you're cooking dinner and you even can only hear little bits and pieces here and there, um, there are some simple questions, you know, simple ways you can, um, start conversations with your kids to start building up that family culture around what you're reading or listening to together, which is pretty awesome. That is cool. Okay, so so we've kind of dealt with the the whole toddlers and um, <laughs> you know <laughs> chaos, family chaos issue. Mm -hmm. And what about choosing books that appeal to most of your children, or at least enough of them, to make it worthwhile? And I, this is something that's become more of a challenge with us as our bigger kids have gotten bigger and bigger. You know, now they're in a two a completely different kind of book that I frankly wouldn't read <laughs> in front of the right. younger ones. Um, right. That's not to say they wouldn't be interested in listening to Charlotte's Web too. You know, it's it's like figuring out where that sweet spot is. I wonder if you have some suggestions for really crowd-pleasing books that you found have worked for everyone or at least enough of them. Yes, I do. And um, I, 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 need, I should have pulled up this quote. I was thinking about it not too long ago and I need to pull it up so I have it handy. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis where he talks about a, a good book is a book that's enjoyed by anyone no matter their age. And I love that because, you know, if as an adult, if I'm reading Dora the Explorer or something, yeah. I mean, there's a reason I want to poke my eyeballs out. Right, <laughs> so, right, right, you know? right. So a really good book, um, my four-year-old or six-year-old or nine-year-old will enjoy, but I will enjoy as well. And my, the first ones that come to mind for me are the Little House on the Prairie mm -hmm. series, mm -hmm. especially the audiobooks read by Cherry Jones. They're okay. fabulous. I tried to read the Little House books, but there are some pretty long passages, descriptive passages, and that can be a little tricky to read um, and sound interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but she does a fantastic job. And every time we have listened to those that whole series on audio, every time we go over um, on our long road trip to go visit family, we listen to them again. Mm -hmm. And really, I think they engage the whole spread. And my kids are, my kids are between, um, well, babies all the way up to almost 13. So I don't mm -hmm. have high schoolers or, you know, old, you know, teens yet. Right. You know, but, um, but they engage my husband and I just as much as the kids. And then, um, well, I'm trying to put together, actually, I'm currently putting together a book list that I'm going to put up on the Read Aloud Revival website that would, I think, appeal to a broader range of um, listeners, no matter their ages. So The Little House, and I'm trying to remember the other, um, goodness. Oh, The Chronicles of Narnia are really mm -hmm. great. Now, yeah. here's one of the things I think is really um, helpful is that your little children probably will listen even if they don't understand what's going on, just to be a part of what the family is doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And because beautiful language is just really lyrical and beautiful right. to listen to. So it's okay to turn on something that is appropriate, of course, for them to hear. So, you know, maybe not your teen, um, something that would just be appropriate for, the, right, for right, the right. teens. But, you know, something like The Magician's Nephew or any of the Chronicles of Narnia, 
they're not going to understand everything that's going on, but that doesn't really matter. They're still getting a lot of benefit from just hearing the family read aloud together or listen to an audiobook together. Yeah, I can remember being like four years old and sitting listening to my mom reading The Lord of the Rings to my older brother. And oh, yeah. I had no idea what was going on, but I was not going to miss read aloud time because I got to be part of, you know, part of the family and I got to hang out with my older siblings. And that always felt very, you know, cool and unusual. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, that makes a lot of sense. And honestly, some of my favorite, um, to this day, some of my favorite books are those childhood books I grew up with, like the Little House series and Anne of Green Gables and those books. I'll go back and read those (laughs) once a year, uh, just because, (laughs) you know, I love them and they're part of my history, but I just think that they're good. They're just good reads. Exactly. Um, and some yeah. of those really good standard classics like Charlotte's Web, my 13-year-old, almost 13-year-old, she just reread that. And she's, I mean, she read it really quickly, of course. She's like, I really enjoyed that. So I think, yeah, there's something to those old tried and true. Yeah, that's funny. I'm, I'm actually reading right now. Um, we just got done reading Stuart Little a little while mm. ago. And I'm mm-hmm. reading, <clears throat> I don't know if you are familiar with the, the Benicula series. I have never read those, but I've heard really good things (laughs) about them. Well, I had forgotten all about, they were like my favorites when I was a kid. And then I kind of forgot about them. And my son brought one home from the library at school and I got really excited. So I said, let's read this together. Well, I'm reading it to him yesterday. And I thought, man, when I read this at seven or eight or however old, I think I was like seven or eight years old when I read them. I thought I didn't know half of what this meant. Now the jokes are really funny because there's a lot of really (laughs) dry humor and, you know, like just these little references Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of like 70s, 80s culture and stuff. And I'm reading it and just laughing to myself because it's so funny. And I thought, I had no idea. I had no idea. It's right. like I'm rediscovering it now as an adult. And that's really fun. And yeah, kind of the same fun. thing with Stuart Little. Um, the the language is really antiquated now. And it's very funny the way, you know, some of the remarks and the passages. And I'm not sure I understood how funny it was when I was right. little. So <laughs> right. now it's, it's, it's really fun to go back and see it again through an adult's eyes. And to under, right. I almost feel like I understand the right, the author is better too. Like I kind of get a little glimpse inside their head, which is really fun. Yeah, that is fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's helpful to work off of a book list because, because of this, because, um, well, a couple of things. I think the books that we enjoyed as a child are really awesome starting place because mm-hmm. even if they're not, you know, what we think of as high quality literature, depending on what it is, right. it doesn't really matter. Our enthusiasm is catching. And so- if we're reading something that we really enjoy, even just for nostalgia's sake, or like you said, to enjoy the dry humor, um, I think that is pretty awesome. I think our kids kind of feed off of that. But then I think, well, I remember when my oldest was a toddler and I went to the library thinking, I'm going to read aloud to her. I need to find something to read aloud. And I felt completely lost. Like I didn't know the first place to look. Yeah. I was pretty sure that not all those books on the shelf were equal to each other, you know, but I didn't know how to tell. So I like to work off book lists because pretty much you don't need to reinvent the wheel. There are some really great recommendations out there by people who have read everything and can tell you, okay, if you want to make the most of your read aloud time, right. Read these. Yeah. (laughs) Well, man, that happened to us. Um, I brought home some real stinkers (laughs) and you know, know, you're going off the illustrations, you're going off the the Mm -hmm. cover, um, sometimes where it's displayed, you know, yes. and like in during the library, we'll always have the seasonal displays out and I would just grab a bunch and bring them home. And then of course it's always that one book you can't stand, which is the one your two or three year old wants to hear again and again. Yeah, I was just <laughs> so, going to say that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and you know, honestly, like one thing that I kind of had to come to grip, like to terms with when my kids were really small was that there were certain kinds of books that were sort of in that must read you know, like they were sort of considered the must reads that I just couldn't stand reading. Like the Dr. Seuss books, I just couldn't stand reading them out loud (laughs) because it was like one long tongue twister. And I would be, by the time I got done, I felt like I was spitting everywhere. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It just wasn't really, I mean, they're good books, but they just weren't, it wasn't pleasant for me. So I found ways to kind of discourage that and pick other books um, that have a little calmer cadence to them. Um, Yeah. 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 So I don't enjoy reading Dr. Seuss, but I have my daughter, well, she's 11 now, but when she was younger, there was nothing that made that girl happier than Dr. Seuss. And it was really a special kind of for me. (laughs) But I really think just ditch it. If you don't enjoy reading it, then ditch it and get the audiobook and let them listen to it instead. You know, I started reading The Hobbit um, Mm -hmm. earlier this spring. Well, yeah, I guess it was spring or summer of this year. And, you know, everybody loves The Hobbit. Mm -hmm. But I started reading it and thought, I can't 
I just can't do it. I was not enjoying it. And so I was putting off read aloud time or we'd get several days where I just wouldn't because I wasn't at all motivated to get back to it because I wasn't enjoying it. And I sort of had to realize, you know what? I don't have to enjoy just because everybody says this is a fantastic book. And I'm sure it is. That doesn't necessarily mean I need to read it. So we just bailed. I got the audio book. My two kids who are really enjoying it listened to the rest of it. And, you know, honestly, the narrations on those audiobooks are really well done much of the time anyway. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'd say if you're not enjoying it, don't even, don't, right. don't, <laughs> don't even try and like, you know, roll force up it. your sleeves and force it. Yeah. Exactly. There's enough other, there's enough options out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Totally. yeah. 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 So, so another obstacle that just kind of popped into my head when I was thinking about the things that have kept me from <clears throat> reading aloud as consistently as I would have liked over the years is the timing. And I, and you mentioned earlier the, you know, the post little kids go to sleep before the big kids go to sleep time. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes works for us. But when, when my kids were really small, I found that to be a particularly cranky time of day for me. Yes. So mm-hmm. I was really at that point, I just wanted to hurry everything up and I wanted everyone gone. I was yeah, like, exactly. it's done. The night is over. Mm-hmm. So, um, so one thing we started doing was kind of pushing it up, like doing it more like when the kids came home from school or right before dinner when you kind of have sometimes that lull where everything's kind of finishing up yep, and it's not done just yet. So when do, do you always read at bedtime or do you kind of mix no. it up depending on the day? No. I, right now my strategy is bedtime only if I haven't gotten to it earlier in the day. Okay. It's like my last ditch effort. I right. know that pocket of time is there, but I also know I'm not going to want to read aloud. <laughs> right, right. I, same way. I'm ready to be done. And usually I'll read aloud and kind of be looking at the clock thinking once we hit 15 minutes, we are done, you know, instead of yeah, really enjoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think meal times are actually a really oh, good time yeah. to read aloud because everybody eats every day. So it's kind of like if you can peg reading aloud to something you're already doing every day, everybody's mouths are busy, so mm-hmm. they're quiet-ish. Um, and it's kind of like this captive audience. So the trick to that, of course, is that you have to eat a little yeah. before or a little after. But I've had um, podcast guests like Melissa Wiley who says that they did poetry and breakfast every day oh. um, for a while, for a season in her family. And then another another guest was Jamie Martin who writes at simplehomeschool.net. Yeah. And she said that, that her husband starts reading about 10 minutes before dinner is ready because she's kind of plating up and getting the last minute things ready. And that gets the kids calmly to the table. Then they take a break and they eat dinner. And then whichever one is done eating first, her husband or her, will pick up and read for 10 or 15 more minutes while the kids are finishing or um, or they'll just hang out at the table. And that seems like it's working really well for her. So I think mealtimes or something that happens every single day if you're driving to your kids to school in a car mm-hmm. or on the way home and it's 15 minutes, say, then that would be you know a good time unless, of course, you want to chat with your kids about their school day. So mm-hmm. I guess my thought is just, if you can find something you're already doing every day and peg it to that, then that's a pretty good strategy. So one thing that just popped into my head that while we were talking about um, the library and, you know, audiobooks and things, I was remembering how when I was a little kid, I had my little turntable and I had records mm-hmm. and often they came with a book. I'm sure you remember that. And you yep. could, you know, what I think is different about that time than now often is that I felt like I had so much autonomy over my media, I guess, because it was so simple. You know, I had a turntable and some records and a book. It was like, I could take the record off. I could put it on. I could manage that from a very young age. And I think sometimes now we have like expensive technology Mm -hmm. and sometimes it takes a little bit of the power out of the kid's hands. Do you have a setup where your kids can kind of manage some of that on their own or are you just kind of always available to help them or how does that work in your house? No, I'm not always available to help them. That would be so great, wouldn't <laughs> I know, it? I know, I know. <laughs> okay, so there's a couple things. My friend Misty has this um, awesome setup where she got her kids really cheap used iPod shuffles so okay. they don't have the screen, you know, like they can't get on there and play games or anything. They're not hooked up to Wi-Fi, but she loads audiobooks on there okay. and then she can say while they're doing their chores or during rest time or whatever, she can give them some headphones and the shuffle and um, they can they can listen. And so yeah. she's kind of done the loading for it. Now that takes like some forethought, you know, right, it's like right. getting that already. Um our library, and I don't know if your library has this, and I think it's kind of starting to gain popularity around the country, but not all libraries have the funds for this. Our library has these individual MP3 
audiobooks. They're called playaways. That's one word. Um, okay. And it's like you check out the cricket in Times Square, say, Mm -hmm. and um, you just plug your earbuds or headphones into that. And you're, it's basically like having their own little individual iPod, but it just has the one book already loaded. So my nine-year-old will oftentimes check those out at the library and listen to those at our quiet time in in the middle of the day. We're homeschoolers, so he's home during the day. So Mm -hmm. in the middle of the day, and then, um, or while they're doing chores, sometimes they like to listen, although they get kind of distracted in the story. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> wander off and I'm like, um, you didn't finish sweeping. <laughs> um, so that's a good setup. And then you can do CDs in a CD player. My nine year old can manage that. You know, when I mm-hmm. kind of showed him how to, you know, this is how you do the first, second, third CD, listen all the way to the end. It's just that when you borrow CDs from the library, I just think it's kind of hit or miss, Mo- mostly miss for us where they're oftentimes scratched up. Yeah. Yeah. So I like we we don't own a CD player anymore. (laughs) I just thought of that the other day. Like, yeah, that that technology has become completely obsolete in our house, which is so funny. I mean, it's so funny how quickly things come and go now. Exactly. Well, we only have one, and I'm sure it's not going to last much longer. Right. And then you're like, do I buy another one? Or yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely think the used iPod Shuffle is going to be something I try to get my hands on. Um, Yeah. But the. That is then something they listen to on their own. So if you want them to listen to something all together, um, that takes a little bit more playing. Right, 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 right. I mean, I'm just like visualizing in my head like an old-fashioned cassette player. I mean, it just feels like that would just simplify, especially for little kids, you know? It's like press a button, hit rewind. Exactly. Although I'm sure cassettes are also probably quickly disappearing. Right. From the landscape. That's the trick, right? I I just – I feel like when I was a kid, and I know that some of this is just nostalgia – I just feel like there was a really simple way for, for me to very tactically or um, tactily like handle, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's like a really good memory of mine having my albums. And um, it's just something like I kind of regret that my kids don't have that same experience, even though I know we can, the iPod shuffle is like really genius and we can kind of recreate that. You it does also, take more oh, effort on our part though. Right. I mean, it's not like I can say go, you know, like with if you had a cassette player like we did when we were kids, you could say, you know, go into your room and listen to some stories and they could handle it. Right. Change the whole deal if it's it I have to go in there and set it up because right. <laughs> I can't do that. I've got, you know, like the toddler just spilled milk all over the floor and the other one's playing in his diaper. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so when you guys are listening to, when you're listening to, say, a book on tape, all of you are listening to it, what are you using for that? We tend to use Audible and we will stream that on my laptop okay. or the iPad. Okay. So um, I need to get a speaker. I know there are some relatively inexpensive speakers that I could hook up my iPod to um, and that like just play it out in the yeah. living room or the dining room, but I haven't gotten one yet. So for now, I will – well, actually, not just Audible. Our library also has something called Overdrive and we can borrow – audiobooks that are by mp3 and so it's like audible but you don't have to pay for it <laughs> so yeah you can you know stream the audiobooks and then I'll just turn it on my laptop and kind of turn it up I need to fix that with a speaker but we haven't done that yet I'm gonna actually in the show notes for this episode um, I'm gonna actually put some recommendations for speakers because we have a really nice one a Bose and it was fairly expensive I mean we use it everywhere we've taken it on vacation with us we've mm-hmm. like we've taken it to a restaurant with us <laughs> That our own That's music, awesome. <laughs> um, you know, in a, in a in a tasteful, respectful way. We don't like we're not obnoxious, but hold on, my dog is barking. Hush up, Moxie. Um, but we also, I we have friends and family who have cheaper versions that work very well. And one is, uh, I think it's called Cans, and it's just like a little, looks like a little can, and it's oh. just it plays pretty well. And I, it wasn't expensive, so I'll link to some of the ones that we've tried and liked. My husband's kind of a oh good, a I'll go check geek. that out. Um, so we've done we've done the research for you. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> good. Because it really does help. And and then you can hear it in the other room. I mean, you can really hear – it really elevates the experience a lot. And you can yes. – the thing I like is then you can hear it while you're doing the dishes. So I think sometimes the sound of a laptop gets drowned out. It does. Actually, easily. I was just trying to listen to – my iPod was dead. I wanted yeah. to listen to a podcast last night while I was doing dishes. So I had my laptop on the kitchen counter, which is kind of not a good idea. And then I had it cranked it up time, and though. I still couldn't hear it. So I felt like I kept telling everyone, shush, shush, yeah, I'm exactly. trying to listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if, if someone's just, you know, doesn't have the budget for it right now or just hasn't had a chance to invest in a speaker, um, one other thing that you can do that's a little hack is put your phone inside a bowl. It really oh. works. It, it amplifies the sound. 
for real. Yes. I mean, it's not crazy. It's not like a speaker, but it definitely makes a big difference. So do so. you just set a bowl on the counter and you sit your bowl, your and phone, you set your right phone inside it. of it? Mm-hmm. Huh. It a glass bowl? Does it matter what it's made out of? I mean, I would just use like a cereal bowl, you know, yeah. or like a Pyrex, like a little Pyrex bowl. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. Anyway, just some little tips, just some little yeah. tips to throw That's out awesome. there. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to, back to the actual um, topic at hand, which is reading. But uh, one thing that, that I was thinking about when, when you've been talking about just being creative about all this and not getting ourselves into these sort of um, very stuffy ideas of like what it, or rigid ideas, I guess, of what it means to read out loud to your kids. And I think we all have this image in our heads of like what that means, right? Like we're sitting on their bedside and it's, mm-hmm. you know, they're all in their pajamas and, mm-hmm. and it's like yeah. a specific kind of book and, and we're doing it for a specific amount of time. And I just think relaxing and just making it part of your family culture, like you said, rather than this thing we have to do. Yes. Makes such well, it's a kind of like breaking that vision we have in our head of the woman in the Victorian garb with her children around her legs, <laughs> listening while she's reading Robinson yes. Crusoe. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh, so much. Well, one thing that helped us, so in that same vein, was, you know, I used to keep, like I used to make a visit to the kids' rooms and that I would we'd read aloud in one of their bedrooms. Um, some of them always share a room, so it's there have always been group bedroom <laughs> situations going on. And then we'd leave the book, we'd leave the book up there. Well, what I found was it really worked so much better for me to leave the book by my bedside table or on my bedside table because then I was reminded of it right throughout the day. And also it felt so much simpler when I was tired to have everyone come to me. Oh, that's a good point. And sit in my bed and read to them rather than me have to trudge up the stairs to them, which I know is not that big of a deal, but sometimes sometimes it is. Sometimes. And you can't get comfortable sitting on a twin bed or leaning right. against the wall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was like, oh, okay, so this can be this way. It doesn't have to be the way that I thought it was going to be. Or like you said, the Victorian. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Reading Robinson Crusoe. That's great. Um, yeah, but just very like you can. It's you can be flexible about it. It can be. It can be many different things. Well, I think you brought up something else really good there too, which is leaving it out where you see it. Mm -hmm. Because I love using like baskets and stuff to organize. My house is not all that clean and organized, but theoretically, I like to use baskets, you know, put books in and whatever in my main living spaces. But what I found is if I put away the re- our current read aloud and I don't see it, I forget mm-hmm. about it. I'm yeah, so busy. Totally. Mm-hmm. So I kind of need it out where I pass by it like 10 times in a day so that one of those times I might go, oh, you know what? Let- this is a good time. Let's do it now. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. It makes so much sense and it, it really does help. And I don't have a very, I don't have, now that I usually personally read on my Kindle, my bedside used to be just this huge stack of books and it was mm-hmm. very unwieldy, but now I basically usually have my Kindle and then the kid's book sitting on my bedside table and a glass Perfect. of water and my chapstick and that's it. So yes. <laughs> it's easy to see it and I, you know, it's just easy to engage with it and it reminds me, um, it's a good reminder. And our bedroom happens to also be the only one on the main floor. It's close to the kitchen. It's just close to the hub of activity and Perfect. it's so easy just to grab a kid and go in there. Yeah. Right. And you know, not, and, and sometimes it's one kid and sometimes it's all the kids. It's, it just depends on the day and it depends on the book, um, and what's going on with everybody else. Well, here's another strategy I've heard, and I haven't tried this yet because it wouldn't really work with our current setup, but um, I have heard of people putting their kids to bed, and if your bedrooms are all kind of clustered in the same area, setting a chair out in the hallway, leaving all the the doors open, and as they're in bed, reading to them for a few minutes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I do too. Right now, we've got toddlers sharing beds with big kids, so that wouldn't work, but but I love that. I think that would be really helpful, especially, if, I mean, it kind of gets rid of that whole, I just want the kids to go to bed. Oh, yeah, right, they're there. right. They're already in there. Yeah. <laughs> Set a timer and 15 minutes later, you're done. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. One thing that I was, um, another thing that has been kind of a challenge for us because our kids are all in school is that they all, and now three of them are in elementary school. So they all have reading expectations. Um, and sometimes those can kind of conflict with each other, which is, you know, they're like, they're all off reading their own books, which is great. I'm never going to discourage my kids from wanting to read to themselves. Right, right. But if they're all supposed to be reading 20 minutes a night, I mean, that adds up to an hour and mm. I kind of have to read to the kindergartner because she can't read yet. So that's on me. And then, you know, so it's like, it's kind of hard to juggle all that, but I have right. found that kind of trying to combine it and then having us switch off. So I'll read out loud and then one of my sons will take over and read out loud and then another son will take over and read out loud. It gives my voice a rest too, which I appreciate. 
Yes. And I think that actually it's like, a, it's like a different skill to be able to read yourself or to be able to read out loud. That's a, you can hear it in kids that, um, that haven't read aloud much that are used to reading aloud or I'm sorry, are used to reading to themselves mostly. Well, you know, you skip words and that kind of thing. So I think it's really super awesome practice for our kids to read aloud. I love having my older kids read to my younger kids, but it doesn't have to be that way. We could just pass it around and Right, yeah. right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're so right. I was I was thinking about this, you know, mm. when I really first started getting um, my now eight-year-old to read out loud and he would kind of, you know, he would skip words, but he would also sort of, the inflection was off, you know, like he kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. he'd tack a word on to the wrong sentence <laughs> and it wouldn't make as much sense. And I thought, oh, there's this whole context he's kind of missing because he's not, right. <laughs> he's obviously not getting that that's, that there's a period there. He knows he's supposed to stop, but he just kind of mentally skipped over it and added the first word from the next sentence onto the end of this sentence. And I wonder what's going on in his brain. Like, is he thinking that makes no sense or yeah. whatever? He's gotten much better at that. I think just the slowing down and listening and, um, and then paying attention when you're doing it is what I just said out loud. Did that even make sense? If not, it's okay to go back. <laughs> yeah. Right. And read it again. Right. Yeah. It's it. Yeah. 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 So what are you currently yeah. reading? What What's being, what's going on in your house right now? Books. We just started last night. We just started one called 21 Balloons, okay. um, which I think it was a Newberry honor book, or I'm not sure if it won or if it was just an honor book. Um, but kind of some fantastical. I actually I actually read the backs of three different books aloud and let my kids vote. I don't usually do that. I usually just choose because we're never all going to agree. And so, yeah. so it seems like happier if I just choose. But I couldn't decide. So I read the backs and let everybody vote. And we decided to read 21 Balloons. Um, so the, it's why well, I don't actually know a whole lot about it, um, except that I've seen it recommended so many places that I trust. And it's based on a true story, but has a lot of sort of fantastical elements to it, which sounds fun. And we recently finished one called The Whipping Boy. Have you heard of that one? I feel like I read that when I was a kid. Is it older? You probably did. Yeah. Yeah. It's by Sid Fleischman. And that is also based on this very true thing that happened in the Middle Ages where princes and royalty um, couldn't be spanked or whipped when they were naughty. And so they had a... I totally read this. Yeah, yeah. They they have a servant who had to take their punishment for them. And so... That it's really short. I mean, you could read it in a couple of sittings, and it was really good. And we had a lot of good conversations um, reading that one. And then my toddler reads. Well, you know how they are. They want to read the same thing over and over again. Right. So we are currently reading Mr. Gumpy's outing about six thousand times a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. So I kind of tend to group them into like my oldest three. They're twelve, eleven, and nine, and so. I kind of read to them as a group. And then my younger ones are two and one, you know, two-year-old. And then the twins are one. And so the twins are just sort of listening as they're, you know, chewing on the book and that kind of right. thing. <laughs> but yeah. the two-year-old we read to a few different times a day. But we we kind of group them in big age batches, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm glad you brought up the cricket in Times Square. I That book, my version from when I was a little kid, is sitting on my boy's bookshelf right now. And I kind of had forgotten about it. And I want to read it like right now. (laughs) Well, you know what? That is a really good one for transitioning. So I think it's kind of a big step to go from reading, um, you know, just picture books to starting to read chapter books because it takes a different habit of attention, you know, a different form of like being able to concentrate on a story for a long time without pictures. There's a few books that I think really make that transition well. And I think the Cricket in Times Square and Stuart Little and Charlotte's yeah. Web are good examples of that. And then the Paddington Bear series too. So if you've got um, if you've got kids who have been mostly listening to picture books, maybe they're kindergarten-ish mm-hmm. age or so, and you want them to start being able to slowly work up to something like Little House on the Prairie, which I would not dive into headfirst without having done a little bit of transition. Right. Um, some of those shorter chapter books with really short chapters within them, you know, so the chapters are just a few pages long. Those are really great. I, I that's a really good, um, really good recommendation. And actually, Charlotte's Web was the first book, I, or the first chapter book I remember very clearly reading all the way through by myself. And I think I was seven, and our teacher was reading it out loud in school, and I got so hooked on it that I just went home and read the entire book like in a day. <laughs> I, oh, that's I remember awesome. laying in my, I mean, and this is a very clear memory for me. I remember laying in my sunroom on this old, like those like gym mats, you know, that kids play on 
um, mm-hmm. like gymnastics yeah. mats, mm-hmm. and just laying there. And my mom kept like poking her head in, and I'd say, oh, "Just a minute, just a minute, just." A minute. She finally left me alone, <laughs> and I just laid yeah. there all day till it got dark, and finally yeah. finished it. And it's it's funny when I think about what an impact being read out loud to um, had on me as a child. It just becomes something I want to be that much more motivated. And I, I can remember so many of the books my teachers read out loud because that was such a special thing when the teachers would take the time to yes, read out loud. Yes, it was my favorite time of day. Yes, me too. And I remember those books. Actually, I think The Whipping Boy was one of them. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. And we read one. You know, there was this one that we read about this man who was like stranded in the ocean for – I don't know, like on a raft and had to kill a seagull with his bare hands and eat it. I'll never forget that. And I was really young. I was maybe eight years old yeah. listening to that book. And I, I've, I've never forgotten it. It's, it has a much bigger impact, I think, sometimes than we than oh, we know. Oh, I think so. Yeah. And you know what? My kids sometimes will remember books we read when we moved from one town to another. So mm-hmm. I think they kind of end up forming part of the memory of these, you know, bigger transitions in our kids' lives or it's kind of cool. So then when they're yeah grown up and they look back just like you're like, oh my goodness, Cricket in Times Square. I want to read that right now because it brings up these fond memories. I think that's right. exactly what we're going for, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's really simple. We don't have to make it this big, hard thing. We can just, you know, try to read a little bit every day. And when you don't, because you can't and people are sick and life is crazy, right. don't beat yourself up over it because that's okay. And just pick it up again when you can. And Right. Yeah. No, yeah. I love that. I also, I, you talked about repetitive mm-hmm. books um, that toddlers like to hear the same thing again and again. And I was actually going to say, um, sometimes when I'm just really exhausted, <laughs> I just want to read something I've already read before. Oh yeah. Especially. Mm-hmm. And so I find myself gravitating toward the same books again and again sometimes. And I feel like that's okay. We can give ourselves, like if you don't live at the library and you're not there every week picking out the newest and, you know, right. newest award-winning books, that's also okay. It's okay yes. to just go back to that limited bookshelf. And we have a basket, we have books all over the house, but we have a basket that just basically has the books I know that I can grab at any moment and I'll be okay with reading them. Yes. <laughs> they're not tricky. That's they're a not good, new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the go-to survival basket. That's exactly. awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can say to my daughter, pick out any book from that basket, anyone, and I will read it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll exactly. happily read it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's okay for kids. You know, kids have their favorites. I think it's okay for parents to do the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So let's talk a little bit more about your podcast. Um, you've had it going since April. Yes. You've had some really excellent guests. Talk about some of the guests you've had on the show. I mean, you mentioned a few already, but some of the ones that you thought that people should definitely check out. Okay. Well, I always, my, some of my, um, my friends laugh because I'll, I'll call them and say, Oh my goodness, I just recorded the best podcast. (laughs) And they'll say, you say that every time. But some of my personal favorites, the first episode is with Andrew Putua. It's all about reading aloud to older kids. Okay. And um, that one is hands down the listener favorite, I think. Okay. Um, so he's been a fantastic guest. And then uh, episode six was Ken Ludwig. And he wrote this book called How to Teach Your Children Shakespeare that oh, just came awesome. out, oh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before. Mm-hmm. Wow. That book kind of knocked my socks off because I love Shakespeare, but I'm totally intimidated to bring it in front of my kids. Yeah. And his book is really like a no fail, total easy, like makes it really accessible for anyone who's not even ever been exposed to Shakespeare okay. to be able to tackle it and really get their kids to like it. So he has a great episode. And then, um, Another notable guest did two episodes for me. Actually, it was one, but it was such a long, awesome conversation. I couldn't cut it short enough to make it one episode. So I broke it into two. And that's someone your listeners probably are familiar with, which is Jim Weiss. And he does a lot of these audio recordings you'll find in libraries and bookstores everywhere. Um, Great Hall Productions. He's just amazing storytelling skills and, and does original stories and classics and um, they're really fantastic. So that's episode four and five. But, you know, it's hard for me to pick favorites because I keep like, saying, oh, my goodness, they're all so wonderful. So, I feel the same way when people ask me. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not favorites. It's just the ones that popped into your mind that people should exactly. check out. And then while they're there, they should check out all the rest of them. So I'll actually link um, to those episodes and then just to your, you know, just to the podcast feed in general in the show notes as well so that people can find them because I think, and how long, how long are your podcasts typically? Well, I'm trying to shorten them up a little bit. So the first 10 are close to an hour and I'm now, I'm trying to shorten them to about 30 minutes so people can listen while they just clean up the kitchen after dinner or fold a pile of laundry. Um, so my last couple are shorter, um, which is really hard for me to do. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
One of the best ones probably to start with is it doesn't have a number. It's just called Special Edition Read Aloud Revival Jumpstart Challenge. And that's a special edition I just put out um, just like as a kick in the pants to get you. If you want to try to get a read aloud habit going in your home, then it's a 17 or 18 minute podcast that's got some helpful tips on how to start the habit in just five minutes a day. And then um, there are some associated like worksheets and printables and then even a private Facebook community that goes along with that one that you can get access to on the blog on on the readaloudrevival.com website. So that's pretty cool. Awesome. All right. Great. And, and you have a blog as well amongst lovelythings.com, which I will have a link to. How long have you been blogging? I've been blogging since 2009. Um, although the very first, I'd say four years were, you know, just more like an online journal, how blogs sort of used to be. That's how a lot of them start. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So just the last year I've sort of focused it a little bit more and mostly it's about homeschooling. Um, and a lot about books too, but, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of it's just about homeschooling and sort of managing the chaos of daily life when you've got six kids and, you know, lots on your plate. So yeah. Great. Okay, cool. Well, there'll be plenty of ways for people to find, find all your various things in the show notes. So definitely check those out, everybody. Um, and it will be actually the happiesthome.com backslash episode 41 is where you'll be able to find that. And I'll have that again in the, in the outro. Um, okay. So we need to wrap it up. And unfortunately I have a hard time also, <laughs> I have a hard time keeping things to a shorter, t- I just like to chat, but are you I, an extrovert, I, Megan? Uh, you know, that's a really good question. Um, I think so, but I honestly have taken those quizzes. Every time I take a quiz, it comes up extrovert. Um, feel okay would it let's go through the whole thing i'm a i'm an extrovert i'm a feeler mm-hmm. perceiver wait a sec okay okay i'm an enfp i think does that sound right okay yeah i'm intuitive. an enfj In, yeah intuitive <laughs> yeah um and so every time i do it comes up that way but i have to say i have been a little conflicted about the extrovert part you know what though i've been thinking about this too because I am totally an extrovert. I don't think there's a really a way to get around it. But I find myself, especially as a mom, needing more and more time to myself. And yeah. so then I start to think, but I, if I don't have time to myself in a day, I just feel like I'm drowning. And I just kind of wonder if that's more circumstantial to the fact that we're pouring ourselves into our kids and well, that, people. Yeah. And I think sometimes that having a large family skews things a little mm-hmm. bit yeah. because we're yeah. already around people all the time. And so now all my, all my kids are in school for the very first time. Um, I have my days to myself mm-hmm. and I relish it, you know, in theory, like I'm, I'm so glad to have quiet, mm-hmm. but my husband also works from home some of the time. And I have to say sometimes when he leaves, I get like a little lonely, which is so silly. Cause I'm like, why would I be lonely? You know, I'm never <laughs> alone. Um, right. but just, it's unusual for me to be alone. So I get like a little, I feel a little melancholy when he walks out the door. And then of course I get over it because, oh my gosh, like the house is quiet and I can work or do whatever I want to do. Um, I don't know. Like when I find when I go to conferences or business type things, where there's a lot of people, I go hard, you know, I go really, really hard and I love meeting people and I love talking with people. And then I just want to hide in the hotel room. Oh, like interesting. So yeah. I don't know. I haven't quite figured it out. I think a lot of us are on a spectrum. I, I don't think, think we, right. I don't think we yeah. talk about that enough. It doesn't have to be in every case, you're extroverted. In every other case, you're introverted. So, yes, you're right. I think you're right. Totally. And and for me, you know, and this is fun to kind of talk about because we're both podcasters. For me, like the absolute worst time of doing a podcast is the first five minutes. I have a really hard time getting myself into wanting to do it. Yes. Uh-huh. Do you have the same thing? Okay. Uh-huh. Because I'm, you know, I'm in my house. It's quiet. I'm working, whatever's going on. I'm not, I'm not having to engage with anyone really, or I'm not having to be kind of on well, I feel way. like I'm being like the most productive and then I'll have a podcast schedule. Yes. So I'll yep. go, oh, no, I can't work on this. <laughs> exactly. But then and as then, soon as I the get first started, five... I don't want to stop. <laughs> right. And the first five minutes, it's a little awkward. You know, you're getting to know yeah. somebody you've never talked to before and you, you know, you're not sure if there's going to be chemistry there. And so I find that first five minutes very stressful. I find the first five minutes of any interaction really stressful and then I get into it. And I'm like, I can't get back out. So <laughs> that is exactly me. Wow, I can so relate to that. <laughs> we'll have to do a whole show just about just about personality types and introversion yeah, exactly. and extroversion. I think it's fascinating to me. Um, I just find it really difficult to define myself because I react so differently to different situations. So right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that all being said, I did have one final question for you. I guess um, sure. Before we wrap up, and that was, you know, you talked a little bit about how 
you were kind of not reading aloud much at all because you were kind of caught up in the chaos of family life. And then you decided mm-hmm. to really make this a, 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 an effort, right? You, this something that you focused on that you really prioritized. So what was that transition like and how did your kids respond or react to that? How did they respond to me Just, all of a sudden saying, now we're going to yeah, read aloud every yeah, single day? Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> well, my kids were younger when I made that transition, yeah. so they were pretty receptive to it. It probably would look different if my kids were maybe 15 or 14, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> at the time. Um, really, it was more about getting myself to accept a couple of things, to accept the fact that it wasn't going to look like the ideal in my head. Mm-hmm. And then that even if we didn't hit it every day, that was it's still successful. I kind of get wrapped up in this um, small detail, like, you know, I'll, I might mark on a list, like a, a string of days that we've read aloud and then we miss one and I feel totally disheartened and like I, well, we might as well just quit. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like you right? feel when like all, it, it didn't even count all the stuff. Exactly. That you, we do that yeah. with everything though, right? I mean, you cook dinner five days in a row, then you get takeout or pizza and it's like, ugh. <laughs> exactly. I know. It's so funny. Yeah. I don't know why we do that to ourselves. I know. Especially when you look big picture or we're, you right. know, 20 years down the road, when we're looking back, we're going to say we were a reading aloud family, even though right. we didn't do it every single day. We're, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I know. I know. Um, it's human My nature. kids were really receptive to it. I guess it was more about accepting myself that things weren't going to look exactly like my kids were not always going to shriek with glee when I said right. it was time to read aloud, especially yeah, if I said turn point. off the TV and we're going to read aloud. Right. And then um, disciplining myself to do it because usually when it's quiet enough to read aloud or a good enough time to read aloud, it's also, um, you know, the babies are down or distracted or something. And I just want, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that they're down so now I can take a break. And so Mm -hmm. it's, I think baby steps are really, really good. And being gentle on ourselves is a really, really good thing to remember. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Love it. That's a really good place for us to end. Sarah, this has been wonderful. So inspiring. I'm definitely feeling encouraged to be just more intentional about, you know, I'd like to think of us as a reading aloud family, but I could, I could do, I could do more to make it a priority. And that's something that I think has really helped me make it feel, I don't know, accessible. Like I can actually do that without having to be staying up super late, reading in my my cranky voice. (laughs) Yeah. So it's been great. Thank you so much. I will definitely in the, um, in the outro, I will have, you know, links to the, I'll talk about the show notes and where to find them. And in the show notes, we will have links to all of your stuff so people can find you. Awesome. Great conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That's super fun. Well, this wraps up episode 41 of the home hour. If you want to find out anything more about what Sarah and I were talking about today, links to her blog, her podcast, and some of the other things we discussed, you can go to the show notes. They're at thehappiesthome.com backslash episode 41. That's thehappiesthome.com backslash episode 41. You'll also find instructions there on how to leave a rating or a review on iTunes, which I would love. And it really helps um, the podcast get higher up in the ratings and for more people to find it. So if you could do that, that would be great. I'd also love if you wanted to leave a question or a comment, and you can do that right in the show notes. There is actually a little um, a little recording thing that shows up right in your browser. You can just hit record and leave a voice message for Sarah and I, um, Sarah Powers and I, if you have a question that you want, or for Shana, our style specialist, or um, anybody else that you want to hear from in the future, we would love to hear from you. So again, just go to the show notes at thehappiesthome.com backslash episode 41. See you next week.